This, the title for today is God is with you. God is with you. And sometimes we have the, I don't know, misunderstanding that uh, God is someplace else and not beside us, that God is preoccupied with all the affairs of the world. He can't be listening to my prayer. Or, you know, he's off on a, he's not off on a vacation. You know, those, all those things that we might um, throw in there to mis, give a misconception about who God is and what he is and how he's working in our lives. So um, I'm not going to clear all of them up today. But I want us to see the importance of, that, of understanding that God is with us. And that God is with us and it means that we are never by ourselves. We are never alone, and no matter what problem or what difficulty we find ourselves in, God is with us. There were these two boys, uh, and they were, this is a little joke, <laughs> there were these two boys, and they were always in trouble, you know? No matter at home, at church, at school, they were always in trouble. So the, the mother, being very concerned about it, uh, decided that she would ask the pastor to speak with the boys, and so he decided to bring the, one of the boys in and talk to them about his, his behavior. So the pastor had the boy sit down in his office, and, and his goal was to let him know that God is with you, and he is with us all the time. But, of course, he didn't ask it that way. He, he asked the boy, where is God? And the boy sits there and doesn't say anything. And he asks again, where is God? And the third time, he becomes very demonstrative. He says, where is God? The boy jumps up and runs out of his office, and he runs home. He grabs his brother, and they hide in a closet. What's wrong? What's wrong? Well, God is missing, and they think we stole them. <laughs> so God isn't missing. Uh, God is with us, and we know that he sits he, we know that he sits on the throne of heaven, but the throne of heaven is not just where he is. He is uh, everywhere present at the same time. And uh, sometimes we look at these misconceptions, and I think we're a lot like the little boy. We have these thoughts, and somehow God's missing, and uh, he's MIA. He's missing in action. We need him, and he's not here, uh, or he's not interested in that He's too busy seeing to the affairs of the universe and doesn't have time to listen to us. And it, it's, it's sad how many individuals that you speak with, that I speak with, that have this understanding that God is somewhere other than where I am and that he's too busy taking care of things. Well, what we've done is <laughs> make God in our own image. Now, I don't know about you, but it's hard to pay attention to two or three things at the same time and give every one of them our undivided attention. You know, if you're talking to someone and they're not paying attention, you can generally tell they're looking someplace else. And, uh, or if they're looking at you with this blank stare and, you know, they're not really there, they're someplace else. And so we think of God in that whole concept that somehow he's too busy, there's too many of us, there's too many things going on that he, you know, he just can't get it all together. Well, we need to rethink those um, concepts and understand that if all the people who have, who, who have ever lived, all the people who will ever live, all at one moment in time would approach God with a prayer, God can give to each one of us 
his undivided attention. <laughs> there's enough of God to give to there's enough of God to give his undivided attention to everyone every moment of every day. And it's not taxing or wearing on him. Okay? So God isn't bound by our concepts and our limitations. He is, you know, we don't make him in our image. We are made in his. So we need to recognize that in our life. So we take time. Take time every hour to acknowledge that God is with us. Uh, Practice the presence of God. Practice being, being aware that God is with us. That we are aware that God is here. He is with us when we're driving. He's with us around the table. He's with us, you know, as we're taking a walk. Whatever it is, going to work, God is with us. He's there every moment, and He's there all the time. So why not stop and thank Him for His presence? Why not stop and thank Him for being with us? Why not stop and, you know, be aware God is here? You never know, he might help you out a little bit. This week I was driving uh, to Berlin, and uh, usually, you know, I'm not in too big of a hurry anymore. (laughs) Just going to get there, you know, whatever. But I'm rounding the bend up on one of these straight stretches, and it's a a very nice hill and a nice grade. You can do very well, because I usually pull over and let the trucks take that route and let them fly down the road, and I just continue driving. Well, this particular day, uh, I'm going down the hill, and it's like, you know what? I need to just slow down. It's like, well, is there a God? Is there a cop up ahead? Is there a policeman up ahead? Radar, that's what it is, radar. God's saving me from the radar gun, you know? And so you slow up, and you're going down the road, and just as I was coming to this creek and a little bridge, and it's kind of an overgrown area, deer jumps out, runs right across the road in front of me. And I didn't have to swerve. I hit the brakes. But, you know, if I had been a few seconds faster, we probably would have met each other and become personally acquainted. But, uh, uh, but it's just those things that God is with us every moment of every day. Now, if I had hit the deer, was God against me? No. You know, no matter what happens, God is there. And we, we ask for his direction. We ask for his protection. We ask for his guidance. So, but we need to be aware that God is with us and that whatever we're facing, God is with us. Whatever we need, his strength is there to, to help us. So in Luke chapter 15, this is a very familiar story and very familiar section of scriptures. And um, it begins with the, the lost sheep. In Luke chapter 15, we find that now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So here we are (laughs) sitting in a religious, you know, Jesus is sitting in a group of people. And he's sitting with people who are sinners. (laughs) They're tax collectors and they are sinners. And to the elite of the society, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, well, he should know better than to associate with people, people of lesser status. And when we, when we look at this, we, we sometimes feel that we're not good enough. Well, if you think that you're not good enough, we need to pay attention to this verse because the people who were the educators, the ones who represented God, are the ones who are very condescending to those who are 
seemingly outside of the fold. Well, Jesus here in, begins with this parable, and this is Jesus telling us about the Father and how that God is looking after seeking each of us, his children. So Jesus told the parable, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not have the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? So it isn't that God is so preoccupied with the 90 and 9 that, did I lose somebody along the way? Well, he's not preoccupied with that. He's not preoccupied with, oh, one is lost or preoccupied with the 90 and 9. He understands that he seeks for. Now, if we were not of value, why would God seek us? <laughs> if we did not have value and that our life did not have value, why would God seek us out? But you see, we have value because God seeks to be with us. He seeks your life and he wants us to fit into, you know, all things work together good, that each piece of the puzzle of our life fits in together, but this piece of the puzzle and me and my piece of the puzzle fits into the puzzle piece for other people's lives and the plan of God for other people and for myself. So we're not just having our own little puzzle putting our life together and how that all these things fit in together for us. But God is working this whole situation that it not only fits for our life, but our piece of the puzzle fits into other pieces of individuals' lives. And all of us in the body of Christ, we are all part of the body of Christ fitting all of our lives together. So there's this massive puzzle being put together every day. It's the body of Christ and we're active in it. And that every little thing, so God isn't preoccupied, oh, how am I going to make all this fit? <laughs> you know, the, mis the misfits, how can we make the misfits fit? <laughs> and God doesn't have any misfits. He has only children. And his children, God is working, fitting everything together for us and how that then affects upon other people. How that then works out into the lives of other people. So here is the lost sheep. What's going on? There's, there's someone missing in this piece of the puzzle and the shepherd is going to go out and look for them. The shepherd is going to go find the lost sheep. Did you ever go searching for an animal in the woods? <laughs> well, we used to have we used to have cattle <laughs> at the farm and there was always one, one or two that would jump the fence. You have to go find it. And, and sometimes the young ones, you know, the, the nine months, year old ones, you know, they, when they got out, I mean, they could run like the wind. And, uh, and you couldn't find them. We were out. I remember one time we searched almost a whole day to find one cow, you know, one young cow. And it was a, it was a neighbor a couple miles away told us, did you lose a cow? <laughs> Usually they'll stay relatively close to the, to the pasture or to the others, but this one was way off at the neighbor's and we had to go drive over there and then, of course, we had to chase it back home. And it surely had no sense of direction because it was always wanting to go the opposite way of which you're trying to get it. 
So you had those times, but God will go out and search out and look for us. And he knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly what's going on in our life. And, 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 it's, and it's, it isn't that the 99 don't have value. They are safe in the relationship that they have, and God is looking for the one that is lost. So Jesus is telling us this story. And then the second one is, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Now, this is a very important um, silver coins. Some have likened it to the headdress that they would wear, and that on this headdress were 10 silver coins. It would be like a diamond ring, a wedding ring uh, that you would have. And suppose you lost it. Would you look for it? (laughs) You know, Rhonda lost the diamond out of her ring when David Michael was little. She was carrying him into the bedroom, and, and she lost it. She hit the wall. Well, we didn't know it was gone until she found this jagged thing. It's like, oh my, where did she lose this? So was, we were outside, we were doing all these things, but then, of course, we're tracking around. An individual told us, well, at night, get a high-powered, big flashlight and shine it on the rug around the house, and the diamond will pick up. That's how we found it. You know, we had to wait till nighttime, and then, you know, wait until then. That's how we found it in the bedroom where... David Michael was in the crib, and that we could see the light and see the diamond. And see, God is looking for us. Do you know the difference between a diamond and a lump of coal? One, what's that? Age, no. Pressure. Pressure. A diamond has, has sustained itself and stayed together under pressure. A lump of coal hasn't had the intense pressure. And in our life, sometimes we think of the pressure as being that which would destroy us, but in in actuality is that which will bring out a greater value in us. And it's in this growing process that we are looking. And so the woman, and this again is a story Jesus is telling about someone who has a sense of value. Someone who has a sense of value on an item. And they are going to spend everything they have. They're going to take, tear the house apart looking for this one piece, this one coin. Well, you got nine more. What do you want with one? You know, why don't you just be happy with nine and let the tenth one go? It represents more than just ten pieces of silver. It isn't the monetary value. It's the relational value that is important. And so Jesus is telling us that this relational value that he has for us is so important that he will search us out. And the third story Jesus has is the parable of the lost son. And here we have this son, one of the, he has two sons, and one of them just says, you know what, Dad, I want what belongs to me, and I'm out of here. <laughs> I don't want to stay in this, in this deadbeat place and I don't want to stay here on the farm or taking care of cattle and sheep and all that stuff I don't want to do that I want to go live my life and have it my way (laughs) you know I would sing for sing for you I did it my way but I won't and so this is the kid this is the guy who says I'm going to do it my own way takes off what happens he spends everything he has and ends up eating in the pig pen taking care of pigs and eating in the pig pen. Well, actually, he can't eat in the pig pen because the pigs have more value than he does. So he can't even eat the food for the pigs 
because he doesn't have any value. He's lost. Well, what happens? The father is looking for his son. And he feels the urge to return to where his father's, to his father's home. He has the urge to return home to where he, his, even the slaves in my father's house eat better than this and are taken care of. I will come back and I will offer myself as his servant so that I could just have food again and, and have some place to stay. And the picture we have here is that the father is looking for his son. And while the son is a great way off, the father knows, that's my boy. <laughs> that's my child. And what happens? He runs towards him. So that's the image that Jesus is telling us about God, the father, and about God looking towards us and for us. He's looking and longing for us to be in a relationship with him and he wants us, he wants to be involved in our life. He wants to be involved with you. You may look around and say, well, that'll make one. <laughs> That's one person who wants to be involved in my life, maybe two, you know. But no, it's God who has this, greatest, this great appreciation for who we are and what we can become. So we have the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. But God is with us. And you see, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and uh, Adam and Eve sinned and Jesus or God comes down in the cool of the day and he says, Adam, where are you? Now, it was Adam who was hiding. It was God who was doing the seeking. <laughs> Often we have this image that if I don't seek him, He's not interested in me. It's not true. God is interested in our life. That's why we have to, as it were, open our hearts and open our lives to recognize that who God is and how that he wants to be involved in our lives. He wants to be involved. You know, I heard about the story with Mary, um, when Mary is pregnant and, um, no, Mary is, has conceived and her cousin Elizabeth is with child. And when Mary goes to see Elizabeth, that as she approaches and as she talks to Elizabeth, the baby inside, John the Baptist, inside Elizabeth leaps and comes to life. You know, and, and I was thinking of how that, how that whenever God's promises come to our life, like we say God loves us, and inside of us there's this, yes, this, there's this leap inside of us. There's this promise inside of us that says, yes, that's true. And that's the life of the Spirit birthing, you know, letting us know that, that there's, there's, there's someone alive in us. You know, I'm not having a baby, but I am, I am alive with promises. I am alive with the promises of God. And there are these giftings that God has placed inside of us. And whenever someone talks about them, it's just like, yes, you know, it's like, oh, yes. That'd be good. That would be wonderful. And then we go, oh, well, you know, it couldn't be for me. See how we try to sabotage what God has placed inside of us? <laughs> we try to almost downplay what God has placed inside of us because it seems so impossible and so unlikely and it doesn't fit our image of what God is like. 
So we need to we need to see this. We need to see God for who God says He is. We need to see God for what His Word, the picture of what God has presented of Himself in His Word, and we need to see that as God desiring to be with us, as God having a will for our life. And you know what? You haven't missed it. <laughs> you haven't missed out on the will of God. Because God can work all things together. All of the mishaps, all of the garbage, all the difficulties. He can work it all into a place that is a perfect picture for fulfilling his will in our life. Paul in prison, he's, well, Paul, the Apostle Paul was Saul of Tarsus. He's killing Christians. How can he, how can he in his life fit into good? But it does. It turns it around. He turns it around and finds Jesus and it's all there. I think of Peter. Peter, whenever he says, oh, Jesus, don't worry, I'll never deny you. And Jesus says, Peter, tonight you're going to deny me three times. What kind of failures do we think take us out of the position where God wants us to be? What type of failures are so great that we cannot find the will of God for our life? How about denying Jesus? Peter did. You know, it's interesting that after the resurrection, the, they're told, the ladies are told, go back to the disciples and tell them that I'm alive. And tell Peter. Tell Peter. See? Tell Peter. See, there was no exclusions. Peter would have excluded himself from being blessed by God because of his denial. God wasn't looking at his denial. He was looking at what he could become because Peter had a will and a purpose that God wanted to fulfill, and he didn't blow it because he, he denied Jesus. Jesus worked that out for the good in his life. And then... In Hebrews chapter 10, uh, I like this, this verse here. It's Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse uh, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the most holy place, having boldness to enter. You see, God has sought after us, and God has brought us into a relationship with him so that we can have boldness to come to him. That we can have boldness just to say, Jesus... You know, Jesus, I know you're here with me and I'm coming right into your presence and your presence is already here. So I can have a boldness to enter into this relationship that God has established for me. Adam, where are you? <laughs> David, where are you? He knows where I'm at. He wants me to admit I need him. I want, he wants me to recognize that no matter what I've done, he's still calling me to into his presence. And that when I am in his presence, I am there because of his grace and his mercy. I am there because he loves me. And he wants me to be there. He wants me to be in that, his presence. So since we have this confidence, we have boldness to enter into this holy place by the blood of Jesus. Huh. I don't come in, hey God, look what I've done. I come in, oh God, thank you for what you have done. And that there's no presumption, there is only knowing. 
He loves me. There's only knowing I'm forgiven. There's only knowing I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in his presence. I'm supposed to come in like I've never sinned. Because in God's eyes, my sins don't exist anymore. My failures don't exist anymore. So what's keeping us from coming boldly to God? Our misconceptions of God and of things we've done and how we think that somehow we don't deserve this. Well, deserving has nothing to do about it, to do with it. No one deserves salvation. But God has freely given. Freely given. You know, I, I go back to that with the thief on the cross. And he says to Jesus, remember me. Remember me. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. What did the, what did the thief do? to deserve being entered into paradise. What did, this, what did the thief deserve? How did he deserve anything? He said, I deserve this death. I, I deserve to live like this. I deserve to end my life this way because of what I've done. And Jesus says, basically, I'm, you know, you're, all go- you're gonna be put back together again in my kingdom. And it's all okay. You're forgiven. You'll be with me today. See, what does that teach us? It teaches us that God is, is beyond all of our rules and regulations. God is beyond all the things that we line up and like the Pharisees saying, doesn't he know who he's sitting with? And, and Jesus saying, yeah, I know who I'm sitting with. I'm going out seeking the sheep. I'm seeking the, the lost coin. I'm looking for my lost son. These are my lost Sheep, these are all my lost flock, and I've come to be with them. And you guys, you can't, see the, you can't see the hand in front of your face. You can't see the writing on the wall. And what are we supposed to do as individuals who are found? As the 90 and 9, we're to come boldly to God's presence. As if there's never been a mistake. As if there's never been a sin. And, and it goes on, by a new and living way opened before us through the curtain. In the Old Testament, it was by the killing of a sacrifice, killing of the lamb, killing of the bull, killing of the, of the turtle dove, killing of these animals. But in the New Testament, Jesus is saying it's a new and living way, open to all who will recognize that the curtain has been torn that that, which, that curtain which separated the holies of holies from the rest of the nation, that, tor- that curtain is torn in half, and we have access by a new and a living way. And the new and living way is Jesus Christ. If we desperately, verse 26, if we desperately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin exists. If, God, if we can't recognize that God has forgiven us of our sins and that we just throw it away as if it is nothing, there is no other way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the only way is through Jesus, and if we won't accept his forgiveness, there isn't one. And then verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. Do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. 
When Mary spoke to Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumped with joy. Spirit was upon it. When we read the promises, when we hear the promise, we're forgiven. God loves us. All things work together, fit together for good. God has a plan and a purpose for our life. When we see and hear those promises and something alive leaps inside of us, the life inside of us leaps and it's God saying, yes, that's for you. Do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw away that experience. Don't allow it to simply die. Keep it alive. Because it's through that trial and through the difficulties and through the problems you will see God answer that leap of joy inside of you. It's through that understanding that God has spoken to our hearts and no matter what we see, no matter what we think, no matter what we feel, God will honor his word that he has made real to our hearts. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to preserve so you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. <laughs> so as we have stayed faithful to what God has given us, we will receive the promise that came to life inside of us. <laughs> we will receive that promise that, that jumped inside of our, our spirit when we heard the word of God for our life. Never let that fade. Allow the Spirit of God to speak those things and keep them alive in us every day, every moment of every day. We remind ourselves, God is with us. He has sought us. He is continuing to be with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So no matter where we are, no matter where we're, what's going on, remember, God is with me. God is with me. God is here. And He is honoring His Word inside of me and even though I may not feel that jump, baby's still in there. <laughs> baby's alive. The Spirit is alive. And that promise is alive inside of us. Amen? Let's stand. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you have heard our prayers. God, you have found us. No, we have found you. And you've been there all the time. Thank you, Jesus, for touching our lives by your spirit, speaking to our hearts by your word, giving us strength for this moment that we may understand you more deeply and clearly. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us. And we are grateful that our name is written in your book of life, that every incident of our life is going to fit together, not because we're going to make it fit, but you, Lord, are putting it together by your spirit and your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you.